27 to go. McNabb dropping. It's intercepted. And the 10 to the 20. trash you're trash you know who is really trash hit the fucking record button it's already hit dummy <clears throat> are we actually talking yeah, yeah. we're on the air oh, okay who wants this trash well we didn't say hi we haven't gotten that far this is a what we call a cold open oh well lucky for your live from, from con <laughs> <laughs> well welcome to the latest sad Illuminati podcast. We're a basketball school now. We really are. This is happy Jose. Oh, I'm sorry. I, happy Jose season, everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. Presented by RP Electrical Solutions LLC. Did our <laughs> did our producer, the, our sound producer, who we brought in because the sound quality of this podcast was trash for years, so we it's bring in a sound guy. Great now, and, yeah, it's so much better. And so, what does he do? He takes a cup of ice fucking in a mar- Tervis tumbler. <laughs> fucking maracas it. <laughs> Great job, buddy. Ole. This is the blue. Jesus Christ. You're the worst. This is the Bluminati podcast presented by RP Electrical Solutions, LLC. You can call them at 813-426-6592. Find them on Facebook at RP Electrical Solutions, LLC. Again, that phone number is 813-426-6592. Mm, do we have to talk about it? Yeah, we do. God Men's it. basketball. Oh, yeah. What a game. Hey! We do. Undefeated men's basketball. Men's basketball, 2-0 for the first time since 2014. I was still in college then. I had cartilage in my knees. Was, uh, and Joey Knight still has not voted them in the top 25. Biased. God. So sick of worst. Hack. What? Such a hack. It's He's unreal. no Brett McMurphy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo! Man, well, we're not even going. I, we, I got nothing for that. Nothing on that one. No, okay. seriously, Brett Murphy's a hunk of shit. Oh, okay, cool. Oh. Hook him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a game USF loses 100% of the time if it's 2013 to 2017. Correct. There is no chance USF pulls off that win last night. Uh, but they, they did it. And I know on our Slack channel, we were all watching it or listening to it. or do, We were summer, We were hooked. We were literally hooked watching men's basketball. So here's the thing. It is your minus one. What are, what are our expectations supposed to be for this program this year? Non-existent. They've already exceeded mine. So. Right. I mean, that's fine. And we're, we're excited and pumped up about a, a very close win at home, a four-point win at home which was basically a one possession win against Austin P. Okay. That we let's not get too care, but like they play hard. They care. People like them. That means something, you know, they're building a program here. And if they can get anything, if they can get to that 500 this year, that is just fantastic and awesome to give a little, uh, little call forward for what we're probably gonna be talking about later. And, uh, and a kind of a pun as well. They're really gritty. Oh. And, I, and I and I love it because uh, they were talking about it. Jim Luke was a uh, Lauk. 
It, it is Lauk. It's Lauk. I, I've never actually had to say his name before, so this is the first time. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, I've never, yes. never even spoken with the man, so. One uh, of the nicest people you'll ever meet. A very, very kind, wonderful human being. He is, and he made a very good comment that uh, the team, this team, uh, of course, with all the new faces that we have on it, is a lot grittier and seems like they're putting a lot more effort into the games whenever it gets a little, when the going gets tough, I guess is the best way to put it. They, there was times last year where you would see the team kind of phase off a little bit or yeah, you're looking at me like I'm uh, I'm saying something I don't know. No, 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 you're fine because I, <laughs> I was actually, I was just waiting to slide in this comment. You're telling me that a Orlando Antigua team may not have given like the full effort. At, uh, they were well paid. You know, they get full effort. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. But I I very rarely pay attention to basketball of any kind of variety. Um men's or women's I just it never basketball's not one of my sports. Uh but I was enthralled into the game last night and made a made a few good jokes, made a few good punchlines here and there about it in the Slack channel and everything. But uh yeah, that was the first game I've watched since Louisville in 2015 with women's basketball, I think, when they came here for the NCAA tournament. That was the loudest I think the Sundome has been for a home team. It's yeah. been louder for like UConn women on the road or something, but like for the home team, that's the loudest I've ever. Yeah, that was Sundome. that was the last game I watched before this, and I was very pleased with what I saw. Yeah, fine, I, great. Yeah, um, Mayan Kerr. Uh, I think he may still be on pace for the sixty-two technical fouls this season, <laughs> which is pretty good. I, although I don't, I don't believe he got a, a tech in the second half, so it's. He's really slacking now, uh, but he did have 11.6 rebounds, three blocks. The guy was electric in alley-oop, and he got the tech for, you know. Hanging on the rim? A little bit. Uh, well, He's Celebrating, taunting. It's, it's called the Jawanza around here for flashback to 2012. Um, do you, uh, I haven't, I have not seen one uh, second of this team play yet in 180 minutes of basketball now. I've only been related to what's going through you guys and what I've heard from other people. Um, do they lose if Kerr is not eligible last night? It's possible. I think that he had the dunk and then he also had the steal that led to a layup that kind of pushed the lead to seven in the second half. And even though the Bulls blew that lead, it livened up the crowd and the dude is long he's athletic uh he's their inbound garter and it 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 works um but again in this in the in overtime uh Austin P hits a free throw to go up 61-60 and on the the Bulls very next possession they swing it around the outside and David Collins gets a basically like a corner three and I I just thought to myself, there's no way he's not missing this he was 0 for 4 prior to that Made the shot. Oh, drilled it. That's good. And Collins it, like I that. Mean, Collins can play. Like I, I don't. I haven't seen him this year, but from previous years, that that is a legitimate high level college basketball player. Yeah, and it, I can't remember the last time I was like, oh yeah, that's probably going to go in. Got a little faith. Look at this. Look at that. Look I at mean, that. I'm I'm all in. I am all in on Brian Gregory. And this is where it turns later. <laughs> uh, again, uh, LaQuincy Redue, uh, 17 points. Free throw shooting? Meh. So I noticed as I'm looking at the box to score, um, four guys in double figures, which is great. Uh, Mayan Kerr and Big Nick both went 0 for 2 from three-point range. So two seven footer seven foot dudes are uh, shooting behind the arc. Uh, no, Big, Big Nick, Nick had a pass. That wasn't that wasn't a shot. 
You guys are saying big Nick, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to point out that the, the bad side of this Warriors offense that has revolutionized basketball and this, this spread, this, you know, all five guys shoot threes is that sometimes some guys who shouldn't shoot threes go, well, that guy's shooting threes. I should shoot threes. Although, have you seen a uh, bowl bowl at uh yeah at Oregon seven three seven eight wingspan and like dropping them just like yeah oh my god he's the, an alien the evolution of basketball. Um so. yeah, TJ Lang hit a three to open up the uh, second half, sparked the Bulls after that. I think they were down by seven uh, early in the first half and climbed back in. Uh, the, the big thing that needs to get fixed, free throws. The Bulls missed 20 free throws last night. Jesus so Christ. If they hit, That's a statistic <laughs> I'm familiar with. If they hit if they hit 75%, which is what Austin P hit, we're not in overtime, and the, it's not a close game. They went full Greenberg. What was the total? Hold on. 21 of 41? Yeah. That's a full Greenberg right oh, there. Yeah. Oh, my God. And it was it was very painful towards the end. Oh, man. The Austin Quincy, P was just nailing their free throws all throughout like the last like 10 minutes of the second half and we just couldn't hit it to save our lives didn't no. matter uh <laughs> i think look quincy airballed two of his last six free throw attempts what yeah and there was one where he airballed it and the refs you know on free throws it was the second free throw airballs it usually that's a dead ball you yeah. inbound it refs didn't they just let him play they're like fuck it <laughs> <laughs> but but nathan are we not 2-0? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have to we have to put the moratorium on that joke starting with basketball. We have to, right? Because it's just gonna be well we're not gonna be, we're, we're not gonna be three and trust me. When we're <laughs> who are we playing next? Ohio. Oh, oh revenge, the revenge game. Revenge game. The revenge game. So I was at I was at that game in 2012, and it is 70% chance that they'll beat us. I like those odds. <laughs> Hooray. Um that was the I was at that game. That was one of the like greatest and worst moments in USF history, all wrapped in the one. Um, I don't know if I've ever told the story on the podcast. So we go, we went to Dayton for the play-in game, blow Cal's doors off. We're up 30 in the second half. And then Cal goes on like this little like 4-0 or 6-0 mini run. And all of us in the stands are going, oh, my God, how are we going to blow this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like that is being a USF fan like totally. Everyone who flies all the way to Dayton, you've got like a 30-point lead. And you're like, how are we going to screw this up? So we win. We go. We drive down to Nashville for the next game. We beat Temple in the 12-5 game. Uh, and then we get Ohio in the, what was that, the 12-13 game because both dogs won, right? Yeah. And we're up six at halftime and North Carolina, who we would have played in the sweet 16 in St. Louis had Kendall Marshall like break his hand, who was their stud starting point guard. So we were like, Oh my God, we're up six. We're about to go to the sweet 16 and we're going to get UNC without their best player. And we're like, Oh my God. Then second half that that little guard from ohio and, and by the way oh this so my friend mark and i naturally we're in the the patron suite in the arena at the bridgestone the bridgestone it's like their their name club like their xl club mm -hmm. is the patron suite and so we're in there and at halftime we 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 went on southwest and we made plane reservations to go to st louis at halftime because <laughs> we didn't want to get shut out it's our fault. It's why oh, we lost. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. yeah, it is. 100% why we lost. And then second half, we we're right there the whole time. And then Jawanza hangs on the rim, which is total bullshit. 
horrible call. Is it like uh, Amari Jackson did not push off? It's an Amari Jackson did not push off level of call. Like it was that bad. And they call Jawan's for hanging on the rim on a dunk that would have changed everything. Ohio makes the two free throws and it just like completely changed the momentum we lost. And it, but it was like the greatest moment and like the worst moment all at the same time. It was really weird. And then the fact that that was literally the last meaningful basketball game at the university of South Florida. And that was 2012 is, uh, is wow. Things are going great. How are we going to screw this up? The official motto for USF <laughs> athletics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you haven't won a conference championship in any of the four major sports since 1995. <laughs> yeah. No, it was literally, how are we going to fuck this up? <laughs> it's how are we going to fuck this up? <laughs> so. As long as I've been alive, I've never seen one of the four major conference or one of the four major teams win a conference championship. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Because I wasn't in this country yet. Weren't even a citizen. I'm going to be a citizen of another country before we win. Get the fuck out, Snowflake. (laughs) (laughs) Hand me my Trumpy bear. Um, Yeah, so TJ Lang had uh, 15, if I'm reading my writing correctly. David Collins had 15. Uh, LaQuincy led the team with 17. Uh, Mayan Kerr had 11. That free throw shooting was... Uh, But moving on. Jose season, y'all. After thrashing Ohio State to open the season in Columbus, the University of South Florida women's basketball team led by our favorite coach, your favorite coach, everyone's favorite coach, Jose Fernandez. They destroyed Albany 74-37, and it wasn't that close. This is me with my water bottle pouring one out for the Albany Great Danes in multiple sports this weekend. <laughs> yeah, not a great weekend for them, man. Whoa. Holy hell. Stay out of Tampa, upstate New York. My God. Yeah, that's actually just a good oh, thing okay. they should all pay attention to. Stay the fuck out of Tampa. Oh, so, uh, well, according to uh, ESPN, uh, the starters for Albany and South Florida did not play, 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 did not play. Apparently... USF scored 74 points and no one played for them. Uh, I'm going to bet that's ESPN. I bet. No, that's actually a USF issue because they just use an XML stat crew feed. So like, actually that's our fault, not ESPN's. Well, then why do I have the stat broadcast stuff up? It should just be an automatic send. Boom roasted. Because we probably sent the wrong XML feed into ESPN. I doubt it. They probably sent the women's soccer one. (laughs) It's like none of Albany, these girls. USF Albany, yeah, was mixed up. Yeah. Okay. If they're anything like me, they definitely have a USF versus Albany file on their computer, and they were like, oh, shit, which one is it? Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck, it's in both. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Laura Ferreira, uh, Jose Fernandez said after the game that he needed Laura to become a 15 to 17 point score instead of the 8 to 10 point score that she was last year for the Bulls with Maria Jesperson and Laya Flores on the floor. Well, Laura stepped up. 21 points, two of four from three, nine of 12 from um, the field, uh, six rebounds, four assists. She was everywhere. Again, solid defense as always. She was plus 30 defensively, uh, just on the floor, excuse me. Um, Beatrice Jordeo, uh, just this freshman, is a freaking stud. She's 6'3 and seven points, six, uh, excuse me, nine boards, four blocks. There was She sent someone's shot flying. Uh, she won freshman of the week in the American. Uh, Kit had 13 points, a volume shooter. Uh, my favorite player, Alyssa Raider, had 12 rebounds in 20 minutes. And Connor's favorite player, Tamara Henshaw, Henshaw had 11 rebounds in 18 minutes uh, in mop-up duty. Uh, Alyssa Raider said 
this is what her role is this year. She just needs to clean the glass, get boards, and just pass. You and Raider need to play like $25,000 pyramid against Connor and Tamara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we need to set that up. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that is the internal, the internal battle between us and Slack is who's better, who's the Who's our the favorite? And it's obviously Alyssa Raider. Next I, week on the Illuminati podcast. <laughs> they they both do different things. Um, I think on like against the standard opponent, I would rather go with Samara, but there are definitely opponents where I would match up with Alyssa for sure. Alyssa's a starter and she's crushing it. Back to back games with twelve rebounds. Um she hit three free throws. She didn't take a field goal. Um, just, that's just not her game. She's not a scorer. She can't score. She had 20, she scored 27 points in a game of freshman year at Northern Arizona. So it's not like she can't score. Uh, but for her role with this team, it's just get boards, play good defense, go from there. And then your bulls are now headed to the Virgin islands with, well, actually they play, they play Bethune Cookman before they leave, uh, Thursday yep. night. Um, I, I see a win there. I, I do. I, I think they're going to find a way to pull that one out. Taking it, Samantha and Olivia to that game on Thursday. Oh, good for you. There we go. Um, and then the last three games, the three games that they get the Paradise Jam in the Virgin Islands are Oklahoma, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Um, they have played, uh, I remember a game again, the islands against Kentucky like a couple years ago where um, Mike Lefko on the radio broadcast, I thought was going to take his headset off and go punch a ref. Cause they could not get a call. Like it was, it was atrocious, um, on the stream. And I, I hope that they can, you know, find a way. I hope this team has earned enough respect to finally get some calls there. What is Vito pointing at on this thing? What is, <laughs> Oklahoma what is, is at home on, on, Sunday. on Sunday. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Oklahoma is at home on Sunday. And then they go to the then they and they play Kentucky and North can, Carolina. They can play K- Kentucky, North Carolina, UCLA in the Virgin islands. Uh, they play Kentucky on Thanksgiving, uh, North Carolina, on Black Friday, nothing else going on that day. And then on Saturday, they play UCLA. And uh, Oklahoma, the fighting Lindsey Morrison's former home of Courtney Paris, like one of the best college basketball players, women's basketball players I ever saw. So um, Oklahoma generally is pretty good. They are not ranked, apparently, it looks like. Uh, so hopefully the Bulls can find a way to get a quality win. Which and Alyssa Raiders is actually going to be eligible this time when they play Oklahoma. Wow, what a concept. Jesus Christ. So when I was initially going through the uh, calendar for um, games this month, I saw those three games and I thought it was men's basketball. And I was like, Oh shit, how the fuck did we schedule that? <laughs> like how are we, how are we in the same category with like Kentucky, UNC, UCLA, three notable basketball schools. Ah, yeah, let's throw USF in there. But now, yeah, now I'm, I mean, we're, I, I, I don't pay attention too closely to women's basketball, but are we the favorites going into those three? Yes. Okay. We should be. Well, I mean, we're ranked. I, I, I would assume. And then UCLA, um, we played them in the tournament. Was it two years ago? But they're two, the Jordan, what's her name? Uh, Jordan Canada and the other girl graduated. So I don't think they're as good as they were when we had to face them at their place in the tournament. Um, but we also don't have Courtney. So but we also don't have Courtney women's soccer opened their NCAA tournament run with a convincing five, one victory over the Albany. Great. Danes, Great. Danes. Danes. Uh, we fucked Albany up. <laughs> yeah, we did. Uh, it was five, nothing at one point, And I don't know how the last goal got scored, but I know that they lost the shutout. Doesn't matter. It doesn't uh, matter. USF emptied the bench and Jordan Tuttle scored. That's how that, that, uh. that, 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 no, like it was four, nothing. 
USF emptied the bench. USF scored again with senior Jordan Tuttle. It was it was just a straight up massacre. Um, and now they play FSU, who is a number one seed. There are four number one seeds in the tournament. They are one of them. And they go to Tallahassee because life is not fair. Um, but if they can find a way to get through that one, then they would probably host all the way through the final four. Uh, I, I would have to consult with um, our resident mm-hmm. soccer expert, Carl. On that, but uh, possibly, maybe, anyway, probably not. Point it, is, it could be good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it would be the first time in USF history or recent history that we've made the Sweet, Sweet 16. Sixteen. Um, we always tend to flame out. Women's sports always flame out in the second round. It's weird. First or second round, just complete flame out. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the last. I know men's got closed out one year. I think it was 2013. Men's has been to the Elite Eight three or four times and lost each time. They have not gotten to a Final Four. That's what I'm thinking of then. Um, That Dom was on that team, correct? The last one, yeah. Yeah. Um, But they they went to Creighton and lost. Gary covered that for us. They they lost in triple overtime to Penn State in like 97, I think, and when they still had triple overtime, which I don't have anymore. Fuck, that's a long time ago. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Again, I'm old. So anyway, yeah. Um, God, this team's so good. Uh, Evelyn Vian scored a goal. Sydney Nacello scored a goal. Uh, Aubrey McGrath scored a goal. You scored a goal. You at home. You too scored a goal. Yeah, it, honestly, everyone scored a goals. Uh, yeah. So if you have the time to go support them on Saturday in Tallahassee, go ahead and do that because there's really nothing else going on on Saturday. Um, yeah, just you know, drive Tallahassee and yeah. I mean, it's a four-hour trip. Either go to Tallahassee or go to Jamaica. Do you understand our fan base and, like, the people who listen to this podcast are the people that would absolutely just get in a car on a random weekday and drive four hours for a women's soccer game? Shout out, Heath. That makes me sad. I've done it before. I know Tallahassee is just such a god-awful city. I would I would consider going if it if I wasn't going to Philly with football already. I would consider what? making the trip. If I wasn't going to Philly What's with that. Isn't that a sandwich? It's this club sport we have. They play downtown. Didn't we swap it's that weird. out for basketball? What? We're a basketball school. Yeah, we're. Uh, by, this is. We have football. It's Jose season. It's Jose season. Yeah. yeah I don't, soccer. Oh, soccer. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, historically, football. once the calendar turns to November, we don't have a football team. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Only facts, kids. Only facts. I really, once June the calendar turns to October. sixteen. <laughs> did we lose a game in November? Did, was Temple in November or October? So traditionally. Uh, October 21st. We Don't ask me why I We know did that. not lose a game in November in 2016. I said historically. Historically, we've won more than eight games more times than we haven't. Facts. Hashtag facts only. But historically, we lose three games October, November. All right. Can we talk about the club team that plays in this, in the corporately sponsored stadium away from campus for some reason? Yeah. Real quick. Volleyball split their weekend games. Uh, They beat ECU three, two after going up two nothing, almost blew it, but didn't. Uh, And then they got swept by Cincy on senior night. Uh, Hot start. And then Courtney Draper came on the bloom naughty podcast presented by RP electrical solutions and completely crashed our bad. That's on us. It's on us, and they're going to be better. And next year, there is something to play for. They would have made the conference tournament this year. There is a conference tournament next year. So the season, like, 
as soon as you go down like two games right now, your season is over. Yeah. It's been that way since they joined the league or since we went to the American, which doesn't have a tournament. Um, now that that is no longer the case, there's something to play for. I'd like to see this team that was playing a little bit better get a shot to make a run in a tournament. So next year they'll get that chance. Next but year. unfortunately they lose Clara and Maria and Brianna Stillwell. That's it. And the setter Brianna. And uh, so thanks to Clara, Maria and Brianna for uh, a great chance. It's a shame they couldn't go out on senior night with a win, but um, we wish them well. And yep. if they're, and like every other volleyball player at USF at some point, I'm sure I will see you professionally out here in this community because they all seem to work in Tampa and they all end up, like finding me looking for like resumes and jobs at some point. So that happened. Yep. Uh, USF will finish the season traveling to Houston on Friday, then SMU. And then I believe they play UCF next week. Um, they won't be the only school or they won't be the only team that loses on senior night. Speaking of which. Damn. Wow. Steve calling the shots. Now. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Harsh, but fair. Harsh, but fair. Yeah. If, uh, I would just like to say, if you lost me as a as a football fan, uh, y- you lost you lost me. <laughs> like I, if you lose me as as faithful as I've always been, which they've completely lost me now. So this is not good for the rest of the year. Stieg the Sterling Stan is now no longer a stand for Sterling Stieg. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Wait, how long have you been a football USF football fan, Stieg? Five years. That's cute. <laughs> he lost faith, kids. I've been a USF football fan for a quarter of their existence. Facts only. So, Let's move on from that. Um, do we want to start with the tragedy that was last week and get into the tragedy forthcoming? Is that what we yeah, want to do? Yeah, yeah, we're going to have to. Um, That's Steeg, by the way, putting ice cubes in a glass and drinking my Key West uh, Key Lime Rum um, to try and get through this podcast. Yeah, it's nice pour. Give yourself a nice pour. I'm going to have a little hit of that myself, I think. So, although I did swear off liquor after, uh, which home game was that? Yeah, that was like two games ago. Yeah. Hey, I haven't had liquor since. That, that Congratulations. Did. It's been two weeks. <laughs> oh. So we lost to Cincinnati. We did 35, 23. Can we talk positives first? Crickets. If you can find one, I mean, Jesus, I thought they came out. They played with more energy in the first half. I thought they were slightly more aggressive in play calling. And the defense got what? Three stops. And then the only touchdown that they gave up was with a net punt that was nine yards and since he started first and goal and they gave up that touchdown, but the first four possessions, they got three stops and gave up a, a gift touchdown because special teams was atrocious in the penalty. I'm just saying that's not horrible. Now, did they adjust? Did they stay with it? Did they have the stick to it of perseverance? Did they all no. but they started better than they had in the previous two games. I will completely agree. That was uh, something that we kind of harped on was the slow, the slow starts and all the struggles that we have in the first quarter and everything. And then we didn't struggle in the first quarter. We actually played very well in the first quarter. Agree. Um, and then the second quarter, you know, made our mistakes here and there. Uh, they kind of got to, I think they put Brett in yeah, they did. for the second quarter. We'll talk about that in a second, but they uh, second quarter could have gone a little bit better, but going into halftime with the lead, I think really kind of helps with the long term more than, you know, obviously we didn't win the game. So short term kind of sucked, but you know, 
for where the season was going and for the where the season is heading going into the halftime with the lead is is something to of note is good about this team. In case you didn't actually watch the game, Blake Barnett did not play. He did not. Uh, word came out uh, during warmups. Blake made the trip, but he hurt his shoulder in the second quarter of the two lane game and did not suit up. So, oh, they right. they held back an injury report. That's <clears throat> unlike them. Not wrong. Redshirt sophomore Chris Oladokun got the start. Oladokun. Uh, so, do we want to talk about the quarterbacks now? Yeah, let's get the quarterbacks out of the way and we'll go from there. I mean, you're asking a kid to come in on the road. Nip at night. Freezing cold. Okay. Probably has never played football in his life in anything close to what that game's conditions were. Maybe Brett. He played. No, no, I'm talking about Chris. Okay. Okay. So you start him. He first pat his first throw, his first deep throw, maybe a little bit of an underthrow, but great adjustment on the ball by Antoine. Makes it. Nope. Rasheem Bronson. Oh, was, you're right. It was Bronson. Sorry. Makes a great adjustment on the ball. Comes back. Um, dust two guys that were trying to cover him. Touchdown. Everything looks great. If you're going to give Oladokun the ball, was what was the plan? Was it just, all right, no matter what, we're going to play both guys, and then whoever wins gets the second half? Like, what was the theory here? I hated the fact that they put Brett Keen in the second quarter there. I would if if you're really going to go for a win on the road against one of the better teams in the conference, you don't do this quarterback carousel that they attempted to do because you you put your team in such a detriment when you put in a for for complacency sake, the third string quarterback, you don't put in the third string quarterback in a game that you can win. You know, barring the the probability of winning that game was pretty low for us. But if you're really wanting us to win that game. Chris has to play four quarters there because of the continuity. Because Chris and Brett have two completely different throwing styles, throwing a completely different receivers, playing a completely different style of football. You know, Brett is more of a runner. Chris is more of a pocket passer. So why are you trying to put your team in this kind of wishy-washy environment? Like if, if you're trying to put Brett out there for the cold purpose of the game, fine. Right. Start him. Because he's used to the cold weather. Give one guy the ball and let them get in a rhythm. And if you want to go with some sort of like weird package for a series or two. Okay. I'm not arguing. I mean, that's kind of what it basically amounted to because Brad didn't see the field in the second half. But he played the entire second quarter. A couple series. I mean. First series got. The first series had a couple. Interesting running around throw for long passes than the touch, touchdown to Mitch, which, I mean, not going to say that was a good pass, but Mitch made a good play. So then you say keep him in there. Okay, so if you're not aware of the fact that uh, Mitch's defender straight up fell down, <laughs> then that's on you as a coach, okay? But Mitch's defender, the reason Mitch was wide open wasn't because he got thrown open. It was because the guy who was covering literally fell to the turf. You have to be aware of that and know that as a coaching staff. Uh, just a quick note. This from uh, Joey from the game. Rasheem Bronson uh, has four career touchdown catches of 75, 73, 72, and 42 yards. He's good for one bomb a year, and he got it. He got it on uh, Saturday night. <laughs> and I will say that was a hell of a catch. Fantastic oh, adjustment. Amazing catch. Yeah. 
don't I didn't pay attention to Sports Center, but uh, was it top play? It sh- oh, no. oh god, it should have been. <laughs> he caught it around the defender's body because it was vastly underthrown, um, and the defender just assumed it was incomplete. He kind of palmed it, grabbed it, and then just ran around the defender who stopped. And if we we're gonna put a game on a play on Sports Center, it was gonna be Ronnie Hoggins falling down like on an and one mixtape. Sorry, Ronnie, oh. brother, you're great. You're great. We love you as a student athlete, but bro, you got you got ankles broke there, dog. By it the happens. quarterback. By the quarterback. So we just got word. Uh, Rushing Bronson told the reporters at the uh, little media gaggle today that Blake Barnett did throw at practice. So that is a step in the right direction. He did not practice on Sunday. He has to progress enough to be able to play. Luckily, since it's going to be a noon game in Philly, it's not going to be as cold. Um, but would you rather have a less than 100% Blake or just do Chris Brett again? Honestly, I think it depends on two things. One, the direction that the coaching staff is trying to go. And two, if they believe that Blake will come back next year. Um, and to be honest with the way that this season has gone and with the way that this coaching staff has continued to make questionable decisions. I would not be surprised if Chris got the start, but Blake is dressed up. Yeah. Uh, so it's going to be the highest 45 on Saturday, I believe, uh, uh, 49 on Saturday. So a lot warmer than Saturday night, which may be a little bit easier to warm up. Um, from my experience, dude, I'm going to the game. I'm not sitting in a press box. I'm sitting in the stands. This still sounds really freaking cold. Oh, it is. Who from Philadelphia originally and now lives in Florida. It's really still freaking cold. Absolutely. Um, we'll see, uh, to Vito's point. Would you rather have a 75 or 80% Blake or Chris? I mean, six and one half dozen, honestly, at this point that I, I just, I don't know. I just, I've tried and tried to give Sterling the benefit of the doubt uh, this season, as you guys can attest. And when I, when, when I got the news that Blake wasn't starting, I sent out a tweet uh, about 15 minutes before game time. Um, if Chris gets a start, I want to see the easy throws, screens, bubbles, rollouts. Don't make him read the whole field and let him use awesome athleticism in open space. He does have a cannon, though. Didn't see a lick of it. Didn't see a screen. Charlie Strong in his press conference yesterday, that's a whole other segment. That thing was just full of what? Question marks. Yeah. He said that they felt uh, put in the post game. They said that he said that the Bulls felt more comfortable with Chris because of the pressure that Cincinnati was getting and that he'd be able to move around the pocket a little better and escape that pressure. Here's a thing. Do you know how you counteract blitzing and pressure? Screens, Screens. counters, get the ball out wide quickly. We didn't see any of that because we never do. And it's fair commentary. Like, look, this offense is not efficient. It's not effectively called. It's poorly coached. I mean, that's super obvious at this point. But here's the thing. We're talking about quarterbacks and weather and all that kind of stuff. Angle matter when that defense has to go against Rock Armstead, who ran for 870 million yards last week and 1,300 touchdowns. All numbers approximate. All numbers approximate. And 210 and 6 were the actual yeah, numbers. 210 yards. And I think he had, he had under 40 carries. Over 200 yards, 
and six touchdowns rushing. And he wasn't the only one out there doing damage. So it's not going to matter who you play on offense and all the issues that we have in the offense. if We can't tackle and we can't stop people. How many arm tackle, how many times they have Michael Warren dead to rights and he just beats them because he's more efficient defensively. That's the issue. You can you can probably squeak through with this offense somehow, some way, if you could ever get off the fucking field. How are they going to get off the field against a team that they are clearly more talented than, but can't can't get off the field? I'll tell you how they can get off the field by letting them score, because that's <laughs> what's going to happen. Uh, it's 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 pitiful because it's it's really frustrating, especially from someone who goes really deep into defensive analytics and and playing and everything like that, but. I'm seeing a lot of very disheartening similarities between this year's defense and, and I'm going to probably turn some heads here when I say this, the defense from when UCF went 0 and 12, there's a lot of guys missing tackles. There's a lot of guys not putting effort in. There's a lot of guys missing assignments and there's a lot of guys just straight up not putting the effort into the game. And it's, it's, it's extremely frustrating to see Michael Warren and I had a screen grab of it and I don't want to, I'll, I'll see if I can send it to Vito. When Michael Warren scores the 54 yard touchdown run, there are four guys on the ground for USF that had missed the tackle because of arm tackling. There's a very similar screen grab that I, I can pull from the UCF USF game when they went up, when we gave them the donut that looks very similar because the effort isn't there. They're going through their motions and we saw it against, I wish I could have said this when I came, if I came on the pod last week, but they were going through the motions during warmups against Tulane. We kind of talked about that last week. We're seeing that in the game still on our defense. And that's just pitiful. And it, it comes back to, we hired Charlie strong because he was a defensive minded coach. What is happening with our defense right now? They're getting shredded by the most basic things that, that Michael Warren touchdown should have been a three yard loss easy to any other defense in the country. And I will put UConn on that list of defenses that could have stopped it there. That is a three yard loss to most defenses. And we gave up a 54 yard touchdown run. Like it was nothing Uh, on third down. uh, Cincinnati was 10 of 17. They were one of one on fourth down. Um, They were, I, every time you've got third and long and you know, they're going to convert. I mean, it's it's hard. It's really hard to uh, win this. Chris Barr, converted wide receiver, got the start at corner. Um, Natron Culpepper, who missed the first half of the season, got the start of free safety. Uh, there's a b- bunch of bodies there and nothing happening. Uh, I mean, Ronnie Hawkins was put on skates and got burned a couple times. He's not having a great season. There's no one on this defense that's like, wow, he's really turned turned some heads, except for Josh Black. Uh, Juwan Brown has also played extremely well. He's played very aggressively, which I think is, is really nice as a linebacker, but yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it's not going to get fixed, uh, this week. It's not going to get fixed in, uh, next week and it won't get fixed in the bowl game. Um, Charlie strong in his press conference yesterday mentioned that the bulls are too small up front in the interior line. And, uh, he named off some guys, uh, Kevin Kegler, Brandon Boyce, Tyrone Barber, Rashawn Yates, Armand Williams, uh, as guys that are just aren't big enough. Uh, they're playing around 270, 280. They need to be around 295, 300 pounds. 
Well, Charlie, you recruited all these guys. You brought in Boyce. You brought in Marquise Price from Duke, both of them from Duke, to play this year. They were here for a year, and they're still small bodies. If they're not the size you want, then maybe you should talk to your strength and conditioning coach for a couple of reasons. And, I mean, Kegler, Kegler's 284. Armand Williams is 285. Boyce, Barber, and Yates are all under 270. Boyce is 257 listed. Are we a, are we uh an academy? Why I don't understand why like that should not happen. Our defensive tackle should not be under 260 pounds. Okay? And when that happens, your linebackers get exposed and Greg Reeves and Khalid McGee and Dwayne Bowles and whoever else has been at the line and linebackers have been exposed because it's super easy to double team one guy and as Charlie said, wall off the other defensive tackle and the holes are wide open. And they're the defensive line's too small. He meant he's mentioned you know, Deidre Sonat and Bruce Hector are both in the NFL. Uh, if you double team one of them and uh, the other guy will make a play, now you can double team them and wall off the other guy. Then when you look at the two linebackers, you want a big linebacker who would be the Mike Augie Sanchez's position last year. You can sit down the hole because they don't. Have, they, we don't have a big backer right now. You can just sit in the sit in the hole and be the anchor for you. So and then and to be fair, Nico Sotel was filling that role. He but, but he is not. A, he is not. He was weak side linebacker last year because he's quick. Uh, when they played UCF, guess who was still on the field? It was not Augie Sanchez. It was Nico Sotel along with Khalid McGee. But we were these in dime most of that. These were the half. two guys that you we're going to bat with. Uh, we saw Kirsten Johnson come in for a little bit and he made a couple plays, made a tackle his first action of the game. But Khalid McGee and Nico or whoever else are just going to get pushed out of the way. And I feel terrible for Greg Reeves because he's playing out of position. Everyone knows he's playing out of position. That's the guy they're going to key on. What we're saying is it's not great. And we're going to lose, we're, uh, Temple's a 14 point favorite already. That seems fine to me. I, you know, it seems about right. They're going to win, probably. We're going to come back here. We're going to lose another one. We're going to be seven and five. But, and so to say that when everything was seven and oh, that everything was fine is crap. Um, and to say that it's a total, complete, and utter unfixable disaster at seven and five isn't fair either. It's somewhere in the middle, but this defense is not good enough to compete in the American Conference right now. And offensively, I think there are massive overhauls to be made, but I think there's definitely more you can do there because there's more talent to work with. You know, defensively, there's just not talent. Offensively, it's bad scheme. So other than that, I think things are going well. <laughs> but it's it, to go back to the offense for a second because we – have neglected to talk about, I feel like the elephant in the room. It, it's really frustrating to continually watch this team run very, I don't want to say it's predictable play calling because they, I do. I want to say it's predictable play calling because it is predictable play calling. I don't know shit about technical football and I can call the plays. Like I can tell what's about to be called. Yeah. No, I, I've, I've, it's like a weird time. It's a weird style of predictable play calling for me because basically Looking at the differences between the Gulf Coast offense and the uh, the current veer and shoot offense, you can pretty soundly call the plays against the Gulf Coast offense. The Gulf Coast offense just 
allowed the quarterbacks and the uh, offensive coordinator to adjust the play to point at the weeks, the weak position. Like if we ran a, a diamond set, uh, like we, how we normally ran against Syracuse uh, a few years back, you know, chances are it's either going to be a run or it's going to be a screen. It's predictable play calling. However, it's the execution of it by the coaching staff to call the correct play there. Now we're seeing something worse where now we're running trips to the right side on like a third down and five or third down and six or whatever. And we're going to run a, we're going to run a hitch because guess what? It's third down and five. And we're going to run a five yard hitch because that's all we ran all year. And so instead of having that play calling where we can say, okay, their linebackers are backing off. Let's run a halfback dive or let's run a um, something up the middle where the linebackers are kind of cheating back and seeing if we can get those yards. And if not, then we'll go for it on fourth down. Now it's just going down to third down and five, throwing a five yard hitch to our guy who's going to drop the ball because the defensive backs know it's going to be a five yard hitch. And then we're stuck punting the ball again for probably the seventh time of the game. Where are the crossing routes? Where are the screens? Why can't we put some things in, you know, how many times are we going to run up to the line after we convert a first down and then just jam it into a gap? Like it's, and you know, the other teams watch tape too. They know what we're doing. It's not hard because when we all see it coming, they see it coming probably even better than we do. And it's look, man, you can make decisions about how you want on this program or what you guys think. All I'm saying is if this coaching staff comes back intact next year, we got fucking problems. That's not okay. That's the only thing that I'm going to like, you know, Charlie himself or individual people, that's fine. But if everything is just like copacetic and no, 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 we're going to play through this and it's going to be fine. And we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Go to hell. Don't know. That is not okay. Changes need to happen. This thing needs a shakeup and you can see it in the effort of the players. You can see it in the things that they're saying, not just to media, but on social media. Um, and if you're tweet watching, you'll, you'll, you'll see it. I mean, it ain't hard to find. They're um, not hiding it, y'all. They ain't hiding and they know. And, and the players know. And the players' parents know. And the players' parents know. And our DMs are open. Hit us <laughs> up. Slide in my DMs. They're all sliding in. Um, And that's where we're at. And, you know, it's a problem. And this program needs wholesale fundamental changes going forward, but it's not skipped. This is not a skip situation. There are better players here now. You can win at USF. You know, we need to get some more talent in the door. I am all on the JC train this signing period. We need to get some kids in the door that can play right now. Like, I'm not saying you need 12 JC kids in a class of 25, but we need a few, especially some bodies up front, both sides of the line. We need to get some bigs in here that can play right away. JC. And to allude to what we are probably going to be talking about next, uh, going back to the play calling and everything and why it's predictable and why it's sucking is because there's zero faith in the players to make the plays. And it's extremely obvious at this point. Uh, again, I was a Sterling Gilbert, uh, stand for a little bit. I was very forgiving of his play calling because when the play calling works, the play calling works and you can't fault it. Now it's getting just comical at this point that we can call the same exact plays for what is it? Five straight games now that we can basically run the very same predictable plays because we put no variety in our play calling because we don't trust the players that are playing those positions. 
You know, we stopped throwing deep passes to Darnell Solomon because he drops them. You know, yeah, that's bad. You don't want Darnell Solomon to drop all these deep passes, but at the same time, how are you going to bring his confidence back up if you're not going to give him those opportunities? We watch them in warmups every single time when they play at home and the wide receiver routes that they run during warmups, you're looking at five yard curls and you're looking at post routes it's the not, entire time. It's not a route tree. It's like a route branch. Yeah. <laughs> they, these guys, <laughs> route switch. <laughs> route switch. These guys, these wide receivers have four routes. When was the last time that we completed an out route? When was the last time we crossed it? When was the last time a guy ran across both hash marks in the same pattern? Rodney Adams. <laughs> that was the first one that yeah. I thought it was that Cincinnati game, but it's, it's and we're going to, I think Nathan is probably going to talk about it next. Nathan, did we not win seven games? But uh, yeah, Strong's comments just makes it so obvious that there's no faith in this, in the players from the coaching staff. And you can talk about the player's size and you can talk about the player's experiences and you can talk about a bunch of other things, but my God, you bring these guys in to play football. You better let them play football and give them the best opportunity to play football. Yeah. And Charlie, the way Charlie communicates is an issue straight up. Like he, the things he says, like, I think he's overwhelmingly kind and honest, but sometimes that honesty it's bad and kind. When when you don't give any context to the things that you're saying, the quote just stands out there because there's no way to give context. You got to you, you got to give more. You got to give more to so people understand that you know that you see the problem. Because right now it feels like he doesn't know that there's a problem and he doesn't see that there's a problem. And so when you go, were we not seven and zero? And everybody goes. Oh, well, yeah, um, that's not okay. You understand that 7-0 is not okay. It's like the, the question you got asked at the last press conference last year for the C game that you and I were there for. It was, was this a successful season? He goes, yes. The answer to that question is no, okay? <laughs> because you're going home and they're playing Memphis. So that's the line of success. The line of success is a championship for this program. And if you don't understand that, you're part of the problem. You were going to say something, Giggity. You got leaned in there and I got on a rant. Yeah, she did. Um, I was just going to say that's kind of coming off as hostile, his comments. Like, it's, I don't know if it's just me. Am I the only one interpreting it that way? You could say it's defensive. No! The only thing that's defensive. <laughs> I don't think it's defensive. I think it's just sort of how he he's very guarded. He's just a very guarded person. And he was hurt. He was hurt at Texas. Yeah. So this He's is what's going to what's gonna happen. And, you well, know, what got you bounced from Texas is not our problem, not to be a dick. But if you're going to repeat what you did there, probably not going to work here either. But it's it's different here. And, and it you know, horses for courses. USF needs somebody to go out and engage the Oh, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Never heard that? No. Certain thoroughbred horses run better on dirt. Some run better in the mud. Some run better on grass. Some run horses for courses. It's a thing. Got it. Makes Google sense it. now once you explain yeah. it. Uh, I was about to say, but just like true. randomly drop. I, oh, I'd never, never heard, heard that before. <laughs> no, okay. sir. So um, it, you need a coach that fits with the type of program you need. USF, because they have to fight with the Bucks, Rays, Lightning, um, and all the other stuff there is to do here in Tampa. You need somebody that's more of a cheerleader. You need somebody who's out in front of the community, you know, getting everybody fired up. Uh, a rah-rah guy. That's not Charlie, you know, and the community, that doesn't mean he can't be a winning football coach. Guess what? Winning's the most important thing. So if you're not going to do all that rah-rah community, you know, sis-boom-ba stuff, you better win football games. 
more than seven football games. I'm just saying. Um, and then to follow up, Charlie also had an interesting quote again. Um, I w- <laughs> Scheduled what? <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting there just a few nights ago thinking about our team. We aren't we aren't good enough to lose a player and replace a player. Uh, we don't have the enough depth where you can take St. Felix off the field and replace them. Um, what? You put two guys as DBs in the last year because your wide receiver depth was so crazy. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't, I just, that it broke my brain. Okay. You have, maybe they're not being coached up. Maybe that's the thing. (laughs) Um, if you listen to last week's pod, you know who the wide receivers coach in his history with, uh, the bucks from 96 to 2001. Uh, some would say Bertie Manuel, Jack West Green, and Redell Anthony plateaued early on in their career. Okay, you have D'Angelo Antoine, Raheem Bronson for all of his faults. He's good for the one deep bomb. Darnell Solomon has regressed to God knows like awful. I I haven't seen worse hands on a USF Bulls player not named Deontay Welsh. Wow, oh my God. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. That, like that's where it's gotten to this guy. This is the guy that sent out that had the awesome tweet of Willie Taggart running off on the plug twice during signing day. And he can't, he's dropped seven passes in the last four weeks. That's unacceptable. Is that coaching or is that recruiting? But either way, no, Darnell Solomon, he was fine last year. He had, I mean, he was fine in the early part of this season. And then it, the, he hit a wall. Uh, Zion Rowland, the freshman, we don't know yet. Jernard Phillips, dropsies. Randall St. Felix, dropsies. These guys, and the whole thing with Randall St. Felix uh, this week, hyping him up as well. We only had one. We were the only offer out of high school, and we've he's turned into this. Awesome. What about the other guys? Man, you got to do that more often. If you're gonna do, if you're gonna recruit that way, you got to do it more often. You got to hit more home runs. It's, there's too much talent in this area, man. Tyree McCants needs to be involved. I know he had he had eight catches last week, scored a touchdown. He needs to be getting 15 targets a game because he is the best offensive player, not named Mitchell Wilcox. He might be the best offensive player, period. I might take Tyree over Mitch. It's close. Just, you know, Tyree downfield doing all the little things. He's a little things guy. Probably better blocker. Maybe. Ooh, I don't know. I Mitch love is a really Mitch. good blocker. I, I, I love Mitch's blocking skills. Mitch is so a I'm really not good blocker. Lie. No argument. Um, but the point is, you have both of them on the field at the same time. You should probably be able to do something with it. You should be able to do something. And it just it's the lack of creativity in their concepts. It it blows my mind. The middle of the field does not exist. Oh no, not at all. It's, the, it, it is uh, a black hole. Unless we run a dive. It's a it's a it's a black hole. Uh, those from. Six to 20 yards down the middle of the field, not a thing. If Jordan Cronkright ever caught a middle screen, would he run? Let's see. We're playing in Philly this week, so the end zone's right. So who would he run to Broad Street, or would he run just straight to, like, City Hall? Like, there's no way that gets stopped. There's no way that gets stopped. It's it's comical watching defenses line up film against us because they don't even try to put their safeties anywhere close to the middle of the field. No, they're going – they're on either side of the hash marks. And all right, you're going to throw – 
we we it's got the, we'll we'll go cover two. You're not getting anything. Oh, it's it's and, a stereotypical type of two <laughs> against us, and it's just oh, it's fuck, fucking the, so frustrating. And the and the corners that are lined up over the ball or on the line of scrimmage, it's always outside release because they know if a guy gets, I mean, just they're covering outside release because they can. Yeah. Although I do appreciate Strong's honesty that he he sits and thinks about us at night and the team and, uh, you know, thinks about what's going on and everything like that. I imagine if if he was more active on Twitter, he would have a uh, a similar Jose on the porch kind of kind of deal where he would, you know, pour himself a nice glass of bourbon on his porch on Tuesday nights when, you know, everyone's talking mad shit about his team. But this just doesn't seem like something this this answer that he gave pisses me off more because it seems like it wasn't genuine more than it was non, not a good answer. Like it's a horrible answer and it's also a non genuine answer because there's no way that I believe that Charlie strong sits there at night and says, wow, our team isn't good enough to replace our players. That was a response to a question or just him making a general statement that he thought of five minutes before that press conference. There's no way that man is actually thinking about this because if he was, he would find a way to fix it because he's a football coach for a division one school. You don't sit there and think multiple nights. Wow. My team's really small. How can I fix this? Ah, fuck it. I'll deal with it some other night. There's something going on here. So this team would have been good enough in 2014. You get left a tire fire. You know, there's not a lot of talent on the team. You got to start over. Right. If this, if this is the 2014 bulls, we're like, Okay, you got some pieces, you know what I mean? Like, you got some pieces, you got some ways to work, make it work, you can, that's fine. But this is a team that got left a freaking loaded roster last year. That team, the 17 team was probably better than the 16 team. Even for the offensive faults, yeah, probably. You know what I mean? defense was crazy. I mean, the defense was so much better last year, and the offense last year, like, as much as Serlin tried to strangle the life out of it and hold it down, was still, at times, like otherworldly okay this is not an acceptable level of football for this program in this conference like this league is not good it'd be one thing if we were playing like really competitive teams that are coming out most of this league is trash and the fact that we can't compete night in night out we're gonna we're gonna be three and five in the conference yo three and five in the freaking conference no good and this just takes Adjustments, a little adjustments here and there. I mean, some may be bigger than others, but the perceived lack of even attempting to make adjustments is what's going to really screw him in the end, to be perfectly honest. Yep. Um, I want to touch on this. It's, I went on a couple ranty things on Twitter, uh, basically saying Charlie Strong brought in Blake Barnett because he thought he was a QB away from competing for a conference title. And I still believe that I don't, I still honest to God believe there's no, if you think it's a rebuilding year and not a reloading year, like you said, countless times previously, then you bring in Blake because you think he can get you to black Friday undefeated or with one loss. So I'm going to make the counter argument there. The counter argument is, is that they had a spring football and they, Session and for whatever reason, the two guys they had didn't fit what they wanted to do or didn't perform at the level that they wanted to perform. And a former five-star kid comes on the market, no matter what, and you get two years out. Of him. One thing if it was if he only had one year, but since he has two years available, 
they go out and get the best player that they they think that fits their system. You're yes. They didn't go out and get him. He can't, he called them. He called That's them. True. Right. And Barnett, they got, Barnett saw, hey, they don't have a quarterback, and they still haven't named a quarterback after spring ball. Right. What's a what's a school that A can compete right away for a conference championship? Right. B get him in the best position possible to get drafted, and C give give him the best opportunity to play right away. And D isn't in a conference that he has already played in and thus blocks his transfer, which was like half the schools in the country at that point. <laughs> so fair. <laughs> Very fair. Um and I will I will die on this hill if I have to. Charlie Strong thought he was a quarterback away and he thought Blake Barnett was going to be the, the solution to all of his offensive woes because I think deep down he kind of knew the offense wasn't good enough last year, even with how good Quentin Flowers was. Uh, he was going to stick with Sterling Gilbert. He needed to get Gilbert's guy to see the offense come to fruition. Fell flat on his fucking face. And it's not going to work out. And it sucks because... Man, this, there's there's so much talent. It's a small senior class, but the seniors that are in this class have helped build this program, not as much as last year in 2016's senior class. But, I mean, Tyree McCants has given us countless of memories. All right, Mazzy Wilkins came from became a nobody to somebody overnight with the small adjustments of just being able to touch his toes while stretching <laughs> Along, like honestly that that was basically what it was he became more flexible and it helped him in the long run uh it's Rasheen bronson has been through two injuries he uh some friendly fire last year a torn acl caught the biggest touchdown pass in school history do not at me there is no doubt about it that flea flicker touchdown catch was the biggest moment in school history yeah. okay changed everything and it, it also changed our expectations it did yes all right so when you come flat seven and oh you squeak by to seven and oh i was looking brett and chris hadn't thrown a pass since the elon game that can't happen with a cupcake ass schedule. That can't happen when you play UConn. That cannot happen when you play ECU. So you you want to know why these guys didn't have enough reps and they weren't really prepared? Because you couldn't get them in the fucking games when you were seven and zero because you weren't blowing out these shitty ass fucking teams in the American and the conference. Spoiler alert: not that fucking good. Fair. That's the problem is that this is a league. Look, if you lose, if you play great and you lose in the Knights because they're really good. Okay. You know, that's what happened last year. You know, we lost the Houston game, but otherwise they played terrific in the last game of the year and they just got beat. And, you know, a couple of calls either way, a couple drops either way changes everything. Yeah, that's fine. But they competed on an equal footing and that was okay. And after that game, we were all like, no complaining, like best game we ever saw. Amazing, you know. Outcome sucks, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, we're not, you know, hating a hate here. Um, I, I just, I think we got to get out of the way and give them some space and say, you know, look, I think they know that this isn't good enough. And I think you will see changes, coaching staff, administratively, whatever it takes. They're going to do whatever it takes to get this fixed. President, maybe the president, president, please, president. Well, the president's already gone. <laughs> yeah. I know. I just like hearing it. <laughs> <laughs> all um, right, moving on. Let's, let's right. do questions. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. All right. So quickly, uh, injury update. Nico Sotel misses four straight game. Uh, Charlie had this to say, we're going through a lot of tests with him, but I don't know if he will return this season, but we're hoping that we'll get him in for a game. We'll see. Bowl game at best. 
Uh, Welcome Durant, to the Cure Bowl. <laughs> Durant Bell will get Bell back. Bell's working through some things, but he'll be back. We heard working through some things with DB Natron Culpepper. Don't know what those things were. It doesn't look like it was an in, it's injury related Have anymore. Been saying that since week one. Well, he played against Georgia Tech and looked good. Uh, so who knows? Who knows what those things are that he's working with but here we go uh rapid fire twitter question this is from professor chaos how long after the ucf game does Cho- coach charlie strong run to louisville um just a quick google search with charlie strong louisville and a primary color will give you the answer why he will never get back to I mean, louisville i think it's fair to say here i'll i'll follow up on you uh i think it's fair to say that our friends at louisville and we have good sources up there tell us that that is never going to happen so Charlie Strong will not be the new head coach at Louisville. No. Um, plus, Jeff Rom's getting the job anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, that press conference? <laughs> yeah. Charlie's uh, going to Maryland. <laughs> that might happen. In D.C. for Dan Mullen. Colorado. Apparently, well, I, I don't yeah, know. I said Colorado. I don't know. If, I was listening to podcasts and play nobody. There are conflicting reports if he was leaving or not. They said. McIntyre? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they said that the administrative had not made a decision on it yet. Which basically is saying not yes. Well, which is really <laughs> what, what's funny is he started five and zero and has lost five straight. That's so weird. How would wow, that get someone fired? Let's bring in someone else. <laughs> but that's no, I mentioned so this in the Slack channel earlier. Charlie has a love for turtlenecks and an affinity for Birkenstocks. Would fit in well culturally at Colorado. Just get him some granola and he'll be set. Yeah. yeah. Um, this from Connor R. Holmes. If we, by some miracle, beat UCF, how many of the glaring coaching issues from the season can we reasonably overlook? None. 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 Okay. Actually, uh, we might be able to look over like uh, maybe BJM, but that all depends on how. I will, I'll stand for BJM. Same. He lost way too much talent defensively than the offense did. Even the Q regardless, MVS regardless, you can't uh, harp on it. You can't lose three NFL defensive linemen, your all-time leading tackler, and two corner, two DBs who played 30-plus games and think the defense is going to be good enough. And apparently, Charlie recruited small bodies in the interior <laughs> defensive line, so here we go. Moving on. Zach Palmer was play-calling scheme to fit the change of quarterback. I'm sure you guys will uh, cover it. Uh, I saw a lot of keen love on Twitter. Am I the only one who thought Chris played better? I probably did. Uh, it's hard to tell because play calling was shit for the second week in a row. USF rushed for 80 yards, had or 81 yards, had 80 penalty yards. Charlie Strong, weird ass comment about penalties. Um, it was just fucking weird. He didn't address it. Uh, someone asked him, oh, you guys are getting constantly penalized. I know there's some deterrent to it. And Charlie kind of blew it off. And that was the last question of the press conference. It was fucking weird. Let me see if I can try to pull up that quote. In the meantime, I just like saying Oladukin better. So it's more fun. Yeah. Okay. I think Oladukin's got a hose and, and he's slightly more athletic. I thought he played I, a little better. I'm sorry. Hose. He Different. has a, you mean he's got a cannon? Yeah. Okay. Baseball Buddy. term, hose. Okay, that means something different than what you think it does. No, no. And, and, uh, you should, you're, you're not a baseball guy, coach. Um, thoughts on Oladokun can start. Uh, nip at night, 28 degrees. Not, it's... The rhythm no, has not clearly not had a lot of snaps with the first string with like some of the drops. You could see that like it was just like timing issues. You know what I mean? Like that's just not getting a lot of first string reps. You know? Yeah. I did like some of the looks he gave though. I will say that uh, there were there were a few times that I saw him try to try to get a few throws in there and put him in pretty decent position to actually make the catches and everything. But again, I just uh, they he, might not have been practicing with 
I don't know. I mean, you might know this. Did Barnett practice all week? No. no. So they basically, made the call Friday. Uh, can we um, also? I mean, Chris's big thing is like blitz. Like he's under pressure. You know, he back, 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 fall. Um, but he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't. Uh, yeah. First time in multiple games we have not had a turnover. Yeah. Um, Andy, cheap plug for USF women's uh, basketball against Oklahoma at the Foam Dome at 2 o'clock on Sunday. There it is. Are we going to answer any of Heath's questions? Yeah, well, I'm yeah, getting Heath, there. you're trying too hard, man. Relax. Jesus Christ. I will say he does have one good question, though. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, this is from at uh, not underscore Heath. Uh, where did our run game go? Big difference in our winning and losing streaks. It's a disappearance of any running effectiveness. Uh, when you can't throw the ball... Uh, they'll stack the box and that's what they did. They brought a lot of pressure and this is what happens. Um, you, there's literally no threat to throw 10 yards down the middle of the field. It, you'll play cover two. You can, you can play cover one and still be okay because these wide receivers aren't creating separation. It, the offense is a jumbled mess. It's like the kid getting pixelated in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That's just how much of a blurry wow. mess it is. Oh, boy. Okay. One big My thing. TV. That's what his name yeah, is. One big thing that I really do not like about what's going on right now, as far as personnel goes, is I don't get us wrong. Don't get me wrong. I love Johnny Ford to death. I think he's probably going to be one of the best running backs in our conference's history. When it's all said and done at the end of his four years, hopefully he stays at our school for four years. But he cannot be the feature back yet he's way too small and i'm going to double check his stats 10 rushes for 63 yards 6.3 yards per carry jordan cronkright needs to be the feature back because ford compliments cronk cronk does not compliment ford if you know anything about running backs there's a reason why scat backs are great situationally they're good for very seldom circumstances where you need to get that player into space or, you know, in a long third down, why not give it to him and see if he can make 10 yards. That's great circumstances to use third, uh, a scat back like him. He cannot be getting the ball on first down and tend to go on a halfback dive. And he cannot be the running back for pass protection on first down and goal. There's no fucking way in hell he is going to block a defensive end properly. He's out there to occasionally drift out into the slot and run a wheel and to chip, you know, chip and slip. But as you're right, he can't hit him on first down. That's just silly. Yep. Um, this from Heath again. Why are there so many thirsty dudes and picks replies? Great question. Well, she throws herself out there a little bit too. Sometimes I'm just saying Isn't I mean, she in marketing. Over. That's her job. Fair. Um, it's from Brittany Link at SFMC. Hey, Brittany. Brit. Um, USF basketball is undefeated. Are we ranked yet? Hashtag we want Bama. Bama. I would like to play Bama in basketball. <laughs> Colin Sexton's not there anymore. Baseball? Uh, I think their baseball team is actually decent. Yeah. Women's basketball? I think take them. Got them. Yeah. We'll take them. Okay. Fuck them. We got them in sailing. Fuck them. Oh, we got it. <laughs> we have the fucking Navy in sailing. I mean, yeah, exactly. The fuck Which is Alabama going to do? I maintain you should get a special award for beating Navy in fucking sailing. It's Navy. Uh, um, What year does Gregory get the men's team to an NCAA tournament? This year. They're going to go undefeated. <laughs> They're on pace to win every single game so far. So 20. Okay, so David Collins is a sophomore. Twenty twenty. Two more years. Twenty twenty one. Twenty 
either 2020 or 2021 if the trajectory that we think is going to happen happens. Okay. If something weird happens, if he hires his, if if Brian Gregory, if he has a brother and he hires was, his brother, I, I I'm, gonna say I'm out. <laughs> because Brian Gregory 2020 right there. <laughs> Make the shirts. Build the statue. He gets in the tournament, build the statue. Yeah. Just put coach um, in. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. I, I don't think I've, I think I touched on everything. All right, look, man, I'm going to Philly. Get. I'm going to Philly this week. I'm crazy. Um, I'm going to freeze. It's going to suck. It's going to be gray because Philadelphia this time of year is always gray. Um, but you know what? What color it's, is it in the summer? It's actually like a nice blue. Like poop, lighter gray? Poop. It's a poop color. Poop color. Yeah, nice, Philly's, nice brown. Philly's wonderful. It's a wonderful you have a statue city. of a fake man. I know. It's a legend. That's ridiculous. You have a boat named after a pirate that didn't exist. I don't yeah, have anything. Once again, <laughs> marketing. I, I, live in, marketing. A, I live in Hillsborough County. I do not live in the city of Tampa. I live in the city of Tampa. I live right by that fucking boat. And guess what? Once there's a Rocky Fest, call me. Time out. Can we talk about Northwestern being ranked in the college football top 25? No. For a second. Yeah. And how horrifying that is to see. Shout out Will Kennedy. That they're gonna they're, th- they're gonna lose the big they're gonna lose the B1G championship game by at least thirty maybe forty five like J school J school I went Medill to grad as a middle grad, <laughs> as a middle grad. Yeah. Um, since he made it twenty four I am deservedly eight and one nine nine one nine one yeah yeah sure why not um, I mean, they beat a seven and zero team last time <laughs> last, last time I'm making the joke. That's so, <laughs> so anyway, I'm going to Philly. Connor's um, going to Philly. Connor Connor's will be going covering the game for the Daily Stampede because we're fantastic. And you should go to road games even when your team isn't the best because, like, it's a great chance to, you know, get the rah rah sis boom ba and then, you know, enjoy your fellow alumni. Um, so if you get a chance, to yeah, it's just unfortunate that the lightning game is at one and this game's at noon. Uh, but you guys are used to disappointment already. So if it's another Tulane style blowout, I very well might like just hey, leave it. Buy tickets anyway, and you can cash the second and third period. Right, and walk across the street and go to the hockey game. Yeah. I say we make bowl predictions right now. Cure bowl. Boca. Hmm? Boca. Personally, Cure Bowl, uh, family trip to Orlando, Disney oh, and Disney football. Yeah. Give me all of that shit. Boca Bowl. Boca, Boca, Boca. Oh, this is Tuesday. God damn it. I can tell you what it's not going to be. We ain't good enough to go to Birmingham this year. <laughs> yep. Again, all those fucking shirts down the truth. I, I think we're down to Cure, Boca, and Gasparilla. Um, Gasparilla is the outside shot, man. There's no way they're taking us if it's seven and five. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. No, I, I should didn't. save that bullet. I'll I'll talk to the guy I went golfing with in Newport. Brett Delaney, chairman of the Gasparilla Bowl. will be yeah. probably Miami and some poor bastard that Miami's going to take their frustrations out on. Miami, Miami can't. Take how can they do that? They're not good. They can't uh, take frustrations out on. Now a quarterback. Anyway, all right. Screw this. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Yeah, go Bulls. Go Bulls. And uh, thank you for listening to the Bluminati podcast presented by RP Electrical Solutions LLC. You can call them at eight one three four two six six five nine two. Find them on Facebook at eight one. Uh, excuse me, RP Electrical Solutions LLC. <laughs> Again, RP Electrical. Solutions, LLC, 813-426-6592.